Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Listen, I missed 
out of my account. How in the world did he miss all those dollars and not pick up on it? Mm-mm-mm. Well, Pastor Jeff said, he hope he never run across nobody that's going to have him like that. Yes. Yeah, you know, I really had to ask the men, you know, do, do y'all really fall for the okie doke like that? Yeah. That's how it goes down sometimes. Like Pastor Jeff said, you know, men ain't looking for the logical stuff. He ain't looking for the, you know, the, the stuff that makes sense. You know, that kind of stuff gets bypassed. Well, men, women, please don't fall for the okie doke like that. Cover yourself. Cover yourself. Cover yourself. Well, we did have our church folk question that asked, why or why do people pretend to be jumping up and down and shouting for the Lord and, you know, knocking over the pew and all of this kind of good stuff. And, you know, it was a unanimous consensus by all of the pastors that, you know, there are some people who, you know, who do play and uh, pretend, you know, that they are, you know, being moved by the Spirit of the Lord while they're jumping up and down and they're shouting and all of that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, we don't know, even though they could be looking fake, we don't know who's faking. And, you know, let's keep our eye on the prize and just focus on, you know, what God is doing for you as an individual you know, don't lose sight of what, you know, God could be doing with you. You know, part of my thought also goes to, you know, if I'm watching, then am I kind of moving out of my own realm? Can the Lord deal with me if I'm watching and assessing and, you know, now now that takes my focus off of, you know, what the Spirit of the Lord could be doing in me, with me, and how he could be moving within me. And I surely, at this point in my life, I don't want to take my eye off God or take my focus off of what the Lord could be doing with me, paying attention to someone who could be fake. You know, so if they are fake and you paying them attention, now the Spirit of the Lord Lord is knocking on your door and maybe you're not giving the attention to the right area. That kind of came, you know, past my thoughts just now. So, you know, go back, go back, go back, you know, and listen to yesterday's conversation quite Interesting, quite interesting. You know, if you have a church folk question, please do not hesitate to knock on our door. You know how to get in touch with us. You know, let us know. You know, something that might be crossing your mind. All right? All right. Well, t- 
today is Wow Wednesday. Yes, 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 and yes. Thank God that we are in the middle of the week. It has been a short week, a restful week for some of us, an enjoyable week, thanking God that he has decided to include us in today. Yes, waking us up today was definitely a gift. And uh, I woke up to something that could be a scam today. I got to share this with y'all. We talked about scams yesterday, right? I wake up this morning, $300 out of my account. And here's the thing. I know I'm going to have to fight this because I don't know how many of you know, but if you have like a debit from your account that's, um, let's say, through your, through just like through your banking information, your routing number, your checking account, they will give that back quicker than something from your debit card. And this hit is from my debit card. So now I'm hoping I don't have to fight this the way because I need my $300. I need my $300. I, I'm trying to stay focused here. So I'm kind of grateful that, you know, I, I, I had to take care of a bill this morning, so I wanted to move some money to make sure the bill was covered from a payment that I made yesterday, a very important payment. And I was like, where is my money? So, yo, check your account. Check your account. And it's now I'm really mad because today is the 31st, and that debit took place on the 28th. Now, I just looked at the account. Must have been the day before. But because there's no activity in this account, I don't pay it any attention, you know, that often. But check your account. Lord, behold, yesterday I'm on a broadcast talking about scam and yo! Ain't that how the devil gets you? <laughs> I'm trusting God in this one. I'm trusting God in this one. I'm still grateful to God. That I am in the middle of the week. I'm not going to let this destroy me. I'm just going to trust God on this. So, let's uh, start getting our moaning, jumping. Let's go get that healthy breakfast. Let's go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on and whatever you do. Don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Every day, signs warn us of danger. But often, hepatitis B won't give you a warning. Hepatitis B often doesn't cause symptoms. One in 12 Asian Americans is infected with hepatitis B and most don't know it. In fact, hepatitis B is the number one cause of liver cancer among Asian Americans. Hepatitis B is a virus that is most often spread through infected blood. It is not spread through air or by sharing food or utensils. If left untreated, 
it can lead to serious liver problems. Testing is the only way to know if you have hepatitis B. Talk to your doctor today about getting tested. Treatments are available that can save your life. Conscious, we are starting off with the holiday weekend news. What is a holiday in the States without violence and crime, unfortunately? So reports are saying that across the U.S., at least 16 people were left dead and dozens more injured over this Memorial Day weekend. They are saying the gun violence occurred at beaches, high schools, motorcycle rallies, and among other locations across at least eight states. The victims were teenagers to people in their 60s. The first reports of gun violence over the holiday weekend happened on Friday afternoon when cameras caught a confrontation between two groups of people and on Chicago's North Avenue Beach. The altercation led to gunshots, but thankfully during this incident, there were no deaths or injuries that um, occurred. Although again, with that incident, with that shooting, there were no injuries. It is reported that more than eight people were killed and at least 32 others were injured in Chicago shootings over the long weekend. In Baltimore, around 3.30 p.m. Friday, again, 
an argument between two men led to gunfire, which injured five people. Three people were injured, two of them seriously injured, in Garden Grove, California, and the shooting that occurred on Saturday at Hot Restaurant and Lounge. It is said the gunman got into an argument before he opened fire, injuring the three people. Reports of shooting spread across the rest of the U.S., but they are saying that the total number of incidents for this holiday weekend is low in comparison to previous holiday weekends and in the U.S. in general. They're saying that in the U.S., about 57 gun-related homicides occur per day. So that is a considerably low amount for the three-day weekend compared to a day where they're seeing 57 gun-related homicides. So that was the news for the Memorial Day weekend. Our next topic is regarding migrants. Residents of a Florida neighborhood say they spotted migrants from the Caribbean climbing over their backyard fences this weekend after a smuggling ship made its way to the state. U.S. Border Patrol agents said a 40-foot fishing ship came ashore Sunday afternoon carrying 19 migrants, all of them believed to be coming from Haiti. They say among the migrants there included two pregnant women and several children. These migrants were, they ended up being left on the properties of local homeowners after the boat empty, leaving the passengers on the streets. So the startled residents called police and border officials soon arrived at the scene. They say the migrants were taken into custody and authorities have yet to locate the boat's captain. Officials are attempting to learn more about the traffickers who transported the group from the Caribbean. Detainees will be taken to processing facilities and will likely be deported back to Haiti. And they're saying that Florida has been has seen a surge of illegal immigrants in recent months, with most of the arrivals coming from Cuba, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic. Next story, we have Adrian Mori, an 11-year-old boy who was shot by police on May 20th after he called 911. Nikayla Mori, Adrian's mother, says she gave her son Adrian the phone and asked him to call his grandmother after she says she woke up around 4 a.m. on the morning of the incident to a knock on the window. She saw her ex-boyfriend standing outside. She said, quote, she noticed he was irate, or I noticed he was irate, and from dealing with him in the past, I know the irate version of him and what it could lead to, end quote. So according to the family, Adrian first called the police, and then he called his grandmother, who also called the police. Mom explained that two officers responded to their home, and her daughter's father, who was there at the time, asked her not to open the door as police tried to break in. She said she heard a shot and saw her son run out toward where everyone was. Adrian recalled coming out of his room with his hands up and feeling a big punch to the chest. They say little Adrian dropped to the floor bleeding. 
The family is calling for the officer to be fired, but as of right now, the incident is under investigation, and the officer is currently suspended. They they did not say whether it was paid or unpaid. So we're thanking God that little Adrian is alive to tell his story, but definitely a sad story when you're the one who calls police to try to help protect your mom and your family and you wind up getting shot by the people who are supposed to be coming to serve and protect you. And now we are on our wow story of the week. We have been talking a lot about the craziness of the migrants. And guess what? It ain't over. They're saying a former minimum security state prison is the latest location in New York City that will be used to house migrants who continue to arrive from the southern border. The Lincoln Correctional Facility just north of Central Park was closed in late 2019. They will have it reopened likely by the end of this week as yet another place for the city to put migrants. New York City officials stress that migrants will not be placed in jail cells. The building has historically been more, much more than a prison and will act more or less as a place for adult migrants to be for a time until better placement is found. <clears throat> Excuse me. Neighbors in the area say it's a bittersweet sight to see contractors working so hard to prepare the building and like us, they are wondering where this urgency to help migrants was from the city and the state to support tens of thousands of homeless and mentally ill New Yorkers. One woman in the neighborhood says there's a sector of people in every area who need help. She said, quote, I work with kids in the juvenile system, and just to have the resources for them just to keep them on the proper track It's almost virtually impossible, end quote. And she's just wondering how they're finding the funds and the manpower to, you know, get these things done for the migrants when there are juveniles in the system who can't get any help. A spokesperson from the mayor's office said more than 70,000 asylum seekers have arrived in New York City to date. Hachu has said, we are looking at a hangar at JFK Airport and waiting for federal approval for that. We have really been focused on all the state assets, including SUNY dorms and psychiatric centers and anywhere we can find space. So as I said, the craziness continues, but this has been Vivian with your Socially Conscious News giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BN. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners. And thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. Um mm. Short news, but sweet news. Thank you so much. And uh, as always, please hang around just in an event. We have some questions for you. And if not, we pray you have a blessed day. 
Thank you. You as well. Feel better. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Have a wonderful one. Thank you. All righty. Okay, okay, okay. Let's talk to our ladies. Let's get this conversation started. Let's say good morning to our Elder Natisha. Good morning, Elder Natisha. Good morning, Pastor Seth. Oh, good to have you on with us today. We have our first news story from Vivian. Uh, 16 people dead over this holiday weekend. Uh, 50, I think, did she say 57 gun occurrences? And that's low, she said, in comparison to other times. Mm, imagine that. The, the gun violence over eight states, ranging from teens to seniors. You know, it's just not safe to be in crowds of people anymore, huh? No, um, I, I think, you know, the fact that it's become a, a norm is part of the problem, right? It's it's when we can look at that number and, and not recognize that that number is indicative of lives that are lost as opposed to, oh, 57 people died to gun violence, but shout out to love. Like that, there is an insensitivity, mm-hmm. you know, to this that I think is really scary. Um, and, and, and something that we have to really um, begin to, to cry out about. I just I don't I don't know what's going on with um, the lack of voices. I just I don't feel like I, I hear the voices um, crying out for change. You know, in in regards to this, if, if we just allow for it to become a part of the norm then shame on us because these are 50, you know, these, these are 16 lives that are lost, but th- these are lives of individuals, whether it's the people with the guns whose lives are changed forever, right, by the fact that, you know, they get caught, get incarcerated, and then those who um, lives have been impacted and lost as a result of it. So we're not just talking about the death itself, but we're talking about the total impact of quality of life within our communities, within our country, um, within just trying to go out and have a good time, and no longer is that a possibility without fear. Yeah, it it, it is it's very scary. It's very scary to know that, you know, long gone the days where being out and an incident happening was a rare occurrence. You know, you could go to the mm-hmm. beach, you could go to an amusement park, you could go. It's like you just don't have the clearance anymore to do anything that's enjoyable without having to keep your antennas up. Mm. Uh, let's see what our Lady Tamika has to say. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning. Happy Wow Wednesday to you, our ladies, and of course, our listeners. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Thank you. How are you this morning? I am doing well. Thank you. Good. Good to have you on with us this morning. Uh, We're talking about all of these killings, 16 people dead over one holiday weekend. Mm, I saw the news the other day 
where I think Shatish was the one who sent it to me, where there was, were they on a beach or something? And it was a whole lot of melee. It was just, it's just crazy. What do you think? Right. I did hear about that, and it was at a beach. Um, the thing that, that gets me is you're talking about 16 lives minimum that haven't reached potential is for one. For two, we're also talking about, especially if we're talking about people who are parents, you know, mothers and fathers um, who whose lives are phased out. So now it's not just them, it's their children, you know, grandchildren that are not getting what is vital, you know, and this is how society can go rampant. You know, grandma's not there to teach, mom is not there to teach, dad is not there to provide knowledge. So, you know, you got to fend for self, you know, and, you know, just looking at a scenario like that, mother or father are gone, you have to find a means for yourself so you start stealing, you know, as a youth, you know, that's the first door, you know, now you've got, now you're incarcerated and, you know, it can go all kinds of ways. Again, this is why we need to pray for our children, you know, um, other children, any, anybody's child that you, you know, they don't even have to be yours. Just pray, you know, because this becomes where destruction starts, and it can go a lot farther than that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I tell you, you know, when I saw the uh, the video where people were just running all over the place and, you know, you go from the gun violence, you know, someone getting shot or, or something like that, and or someone getting stampeded or, you know, it's, it's people getting separated. It's, it's just really a full-blown mess, a full-blown mess. Uh, let's see what uh, our, our um, Minister Michelle is not feeling well this morning. She just reached out to me, so we'll keep her lifted in prayer. Let's uh, open the, the the line to our girl, Shantice. Thank you so much for joining us, Shantice. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. That's good, that's good. You know, 16 people dead. We got several, you know, they say over eight states, eight states, and that's all we know about. <laughs> That's all we know about from teens to seniors. You got Chicago, Baltimore, California, in those uh, Florida, in that uh, in that melee. What do you think of all this, you know, gun violence and and the fact that we've been talking all last year about you know the gun laws and things like that, and now we're reaching the point where we can't even have one holiday weekend where we don't have any any uh, occurrences with guns. Yeah, it's really, really sad. And it's funny because, well, not funny, but um, I think it was Monday. Because um, Sunday I always use that as my one day where I don't have to do anything. I just like to lay around and sleep to prepare for Monday through Saturday. And, you know, Monday, holiday, so he's like, okay, you know, if someone mentions they're having something, maybe I'll go. But my body was like, ha, chill out. Um, and I was laying around in the bed all day again, and it's so good. And there were a couple of times I was like, wow, God, like, I really did. It's Memorial Day. I really didn't go anywhere. And I was like, I ain't missing nothing, and my body needs this rest. And just that night is when I saw 
the video of um, the shooting on the Hollywood boardwalk and then hearing how it wasn't only there and it wasn't only in that state, but it throughout, like you said, multiple states. And, you know, I was reading the comments and someone was saying, you know, this is why I don't go anywhere on the holidays. And it's true because it's, it's like people wait. And it doesn't mean that crime doesn't happen all throughout the year because obviously we you know see that. But it's like people wait for the holidays knowing that there's going to be a group of people in one place and that's their opportunity to lose their mind. That's their opportunity to act stupid. That's, that's their opportunity to now put these crazy plans into action. And it's sad because it's like, you don't even want to really go anywhere on a holiday anymore. You know, it's so much safer to stick with your two or three people in your backyard or at your home and, you know, just chill out there. You know, long golden days where it's like, oh, it's 4th of July, let's go to the beach, let's go to the amusement park, let's do, because this is what you have to look forward to, unfortunately. And it's just really like, while people are trying to enjoy their holiday, this is probably the one day they may have off of work for weeks. You know, but because it's the holiday, they're automatically off, and now they're running for their life. That video was tragic. It was, you got babies running. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, you think about all the parades, you know, that take place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people, you know, unfortunately, not only, you know, do they sit and wait, but everybody's so volatile. You know, any little mm-hmm. thing starts an argument. Any little thing ends in a gun exchange. Any little thing ends in some level of anger. It's like long gone the day where people just, you know, disagree, they argue, and everybody just walks off. It's always mm-hmm. it's, it's always ending in some type of death, some type of violence, and it just really puts a damper on so many different plants. And you mentioned the cookouts. And how often does that even happen these days where there's no gunshot and there's no fighting? Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be real careful about who you invite and hope that they don't mm-hmm. bring anyone. I was just looking at a, a news story. Uh, I think it was night before last. And it was there was someone, some gun fire happened at some event and it was because they said they didn't know whether it was the person themselves was uninvited or if it was someone who brought some someone who was invited and brought someone who wasn't invited so it's it, it, even that even that even the small intimate you know events and, and little gatherings have just ended in such tragedy. It, it's just, it's just too mm-hmm. much. It's just too much. It just takes so much, you know, enjoyment out of life. It, it, there's no more enjoyment. It's just gone. Uh, let's talk about this. I saw this this uh, story too, and I I didn't talk about it yesterday morning about the migrants who the people found crossing over their fence. And a couple of weeks ago, I kind of talked about this, you know, when I said, you know, okay, so they put all these 300 people, these 300 men in the schools. And I said, if they dump the school during the day, 
where those men, you know, have to leave because the children are in the school, then now you're dumping them onto your streets. And where are 300 people going to go who have no place to go, nothing to do, hungry, bored, you know, if they're, uh, you know, in the habit of getting into some level of mischief, you know, desperate, you know, what are they going to do? And they're going to be climbing some fences. They're going to be entering some places. They have no business entering. And here you've got this whole boat filled <laughs> with migrants. Oh, my goodness. And can you imagine just finding people crossing into your home now did this here, I can't even imagine, you know, looking and, and finding these people crossing over into my yard, over my fence. You know, they say, they did say that that, that these people were from Haiti. You know, uh, uh, Lady Tamika, you know, now the migrants are crossing over onto your property. Uh, this is becoming real personal now. You know, they're not putting them in the hotel up the block and around the corner, they have now pulled up so close that they have, you know, started crossing over your fences into uh, onto your property. What are you doing now? What? How bad has this gotten? And it just, you know, the foolishness of that just keeps going, you know. And I, I said to them, I, I said the last time I said, after the schools, what's left? You know, now you got jail cells. Okay, fine. Well, okay, fine. You're saying that they're not incarcerated, but <laughs> you don't think I know that that's a jail cell? If you've ever seen a jail cell in any place, you know what it looks like. It all has the same makeup, you know, and so you've got these gates, you know, and just, you know, I can't even fathom what, how I would react. You know, when I see not one, not two, but a bunch of people in my in my backyard climbing my fence. You know, I, I, I'm very territorial. You know, I don't even like stray cats, you know, coming in the backyard. I, I, I realize because of the, the issues with the York and rats, you know, that they're beneficial, but I don't like it, you know. And so you got a whole, per, whole families of people, you know, in your backyard. Again, we are not governing our... Um, our state, our country, you know, and I keep trying to figure out where are they getting this money from? There are people that have been needing money for for years prior to the pandemic, you know, with all these things that people needed, you know, and at that time we kept saying there's not any help, there's not a, you know, we don't have the resources. Obviously we do because we keep bringing people in and we're still not helping those that still need the help. You know, whether we're talking about school people, whether we're talking about the mentally disturbed, whether we're talking about our seniors, whether we're talking about um, teen pregnancy, I can go on. These are things that are getting avoided, you know, um, and other things, you know, education, you know, education suffers. There's all kinds of things that suffer, but you're still bringing people in. And I think I heard um, Vivian say, is it 70,000 people? and livelihoods that you have to support. And so that means that a minimum of 70,000 people who are our natives, who have been here, who have needed the resources, who have worked, who have toiled, you know, our seniors who have worked and toiled and did what needed to be done, 
at that time, our veterans have done what they need to do. They served our country, and they're going lacking so that you can serve somebody who doesn't even know anything about our country, our state, our people, our world, our nation. <sighs> it just keeps going. Absolutely, absolutely a, a comment and a feeling that really won't go away. Is it, It's not going anywhere. Because the more you talk, the more people are scratching their heads. Uh, Shantice, you know, we talked about last, I think it was last week, 71,000 people are here. And now you've got, not only do you have, see, this is what's kind of throwing me, because I think last week I read somewhere about there are still people coming over here illegally. So you've got the 71,000 that's in New York. Now, let's not forget that. That is not 71,000 people in the United States legally. 71,000 in New York. Now you have... Oh, my gosh. So, yes, it's... Remember, remember I did the, the, the state of emergency that they declared in the state of New York because... There are, they said that since last year, in the state of New York alone, they have allowed 71,000 people. And that's when I said, can you imagine out of 71,000, how many of them don't know Jesus? <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's where that came from. And now you've still got people reportedly coming here illegally. And now, I want to know, I guess when you, that's where these people have these homes next to the water? Because I'm trying to figure out, you pull up this boat to and dock it somewhere, and now these people are crossing fences. Why? Why would you have to cross fences? What? Where did they pull the boat up to that they crossing over somebody's fence? Shanties? They're crossing over into people's personal property to get to where they need to get to. What goes through it your head? It sounds like somebody looked out their window and saw a bunch of roaches climbing over. It's almost like, you know, if you say I went in my kitchen and somebody turned the light on, all you saw was roaches and ants just scattering everywhere. It's like I couldn't even imagine how... That person could feel, but yet, because I was about to ask, well, whose fences are they climbing? Is it the mayor's fence? Is it the governor's of fence? Is of it, course not. It, 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 it wouldn't be, right, it wouldn't be their fences, right? It would be our fences, those of us who have nothing to do with this decision or who is, and, or who is against this decision, and now they're the ones that is hitting this close to home. And it's like, How? So not only are you bringing them over here, but there is absolutely no control. Y'all have absolutely zero control. So it's almost like, hey, all these immigrants are just skydiving out the airplane and wherever they land is where they land. But as long as they're here, it, it doesn't matter. And it's like, but what part of the plan is why? Why is this okay? Why? It's like, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't understand how it's, it's bad enough that it's, it's happening. But now what you're also showing is that there is zero control. 
So how do you now expect us to believe that you, the powers that be, are going to gain control? And if you yeah. were higher, the homeless people that are already here who you have neglected, I'm pretty sure that we can put a stop to them coming over here. So we hired them. All these homeless veterans that you don't want to take care of, and someone was able to hire them to now keep these immigrants from coming in, then you would be mad because they would be with it and they would be stopping this plan, which means that whatever you're benefiting from, when you say, okay, bring them over here, you wouldn't be because they wouldn't be allowed to come over here anymore. It, it's just, I, I think the the scariest thing, in addition to hearing that people are now seeing these people just climbing over their fence and on, onto their property and now how they're supposed to feel safe. And God forbid someone now shot somebody, now you'd be ready to arrest and persecute them. Um, prosecute them, I'm sorry. Prosecute them. Um, is just now showing that you have absolutely no control. So what are you getting ready to say to the public now? Well, here's, here's the problem. You're allowing people to come over here while you still have a poor border control. That's, that's why I was saying I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, where they're docking because they have to be docking, you know, like where you see people have their homes like right at the water and things like that because it, it's private at that point. You know, it's not, it, they don't own it, but what I'm saying private means it's not like a, a dock like where a cruise ship would go or places where they would normally take a boat. They are now going to more private areas and, and they've been doing this for decades. This ain't new. This is not new. But they thought that by, or they think that by letting people come here legally, that they would slow down. And every time I open up the news, there's another one. They, they had this, um, this picture and this story, Elton Itisha, of the, 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 um, the migrants throwing the children across like they would get to a certain point and there were people who were already on I guess on the land so they were throwing the kids over because they couldn't get there but it's like here take my kid make sure my kid gets to safety make sure my kid gets to quote-unquote freedom and the new you know a, a new opportunity this is not new this illegal Entry into the United States is not going to stop just because they allow they're allowing people to come here legally. Now they're pulling up and they're you know jumping over fences because this is where the people's houses are. When you think of buying property at the at the at the water, you know, so you can have this beautiful view, but now you've got this. <laughs> Migrant issue to be concerned with what goes across your mind. I mean, I think it, it speaks of the desperation, right? I think you know we're, we're talking about, and of course, as we should be focused focused on the impact of stretched resources, impact of invasion of people's properties. Um, but I think that there is a deeper uh, issue because the desperation of these individuals making, you know, the, the decision to leave their homeland speaks of 
the economic status or the government the governmental climate that exists in these other countries. Um, and 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 the fact that in, in like in our world view, right? Not just the United States of America, but from our world view, like the economy of our surrounding countries is tanking. And so, what does that mean? And and before, and, and 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 what it will be the effect of that on the United States of America, where we have all of these allies and we have all of these. Um, relationships, right, with oil and different things of that nature, but it speaks of these um, these individuals who, uh, these presidents, these these rulers of these countries who are not functioning appropriately, who are, you know, less like leaders but more like villains, and to the point where a person is so desperate to save their children from that type of environment, that they'll come to a place that they don't know, a a land where they don't speak the language, a land where there's no promise of security or home, and throw my child over a fence or to try to get my child someplace, I think it speaks of the desperation. I think we would be better off utilizing resources to try to figure out how to help in those other countries than to overpopulate the states of America. I, I think that the better option is we've always sat at the table and tried to work and develop allies and, and to send resources. If we're going to make an investment, why overpopulate the United States? Let's make right. an investment in that country. Right. To be right. able to regulate economic climate of that country that is causing the people to leave their homeland and come here because they're coming here and and what can we offer and you're going to tank even even in our resources you're going to cause an imbalance even with 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 our um financial uh you know prosperity if you would so i just it, 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 i don't i don't understand and i and i wonder what is the relation between the amount of people who in the United States of America died to COVID versus the amount of people now who are coming in and, and the fact that we're making space and placement for them. I'm just, I don't, I'm curious about that. Like, I don't know what the number was of individuals that we lost in 2020 and 2021 that makes America feel like, well, there's some space <laughs> for right. these other, you know, people to come in because it, it doesn't make sense. Prior to 2021, we were talking about the instability of our own economics. The value of a dollar had dropped. I don't know if y'all remember that. Back in 2017 yes, yes, through 2019, the value of a dollar had dropped because our economy here was unstable. So if that's the case, how then have we gotten back to a point where we're able to bring in all these people and put all this extra money into the development, stretching resources that were already stretched? So in the next five years, I'm curious as to what the stability of our economic status will be. You know, that that has come up before in conversation here on, on its due time, where it would be a whole lot easier for all the countries to get together, like you said, Elder teacher, and throw money to the, the, the impoverished countries. 
because after a while, in five minutes, we're going to be impoverished. And we, we only got a certain amount, of, uh, a couple minutes, before we look like them. We, it ain't going to take too much longer before we look like them. Because I'm trying to figure out, you know, all of this, um, this, this con- these conditions that you're leaving are now going to become our conditions. They have a poor health system. We have we we don't have a great one, and now when you weigh down all the potential illness that is headed our way from all of these people who you have allowed to come here, now if they don't have good health systems, how have you vetted them health wise? So now all of that comes here, makes everyone else sick, and look at the weight that was put on our medical teams when COVID hit, when they didn't get any rest, when they couldn't go home to their own families, when they were sick and dying. So now that becomes us. Where we, you know, they don't eat there. They can't eat there. They don't have enough food. Well, what's going to happen now? Because we were together. I was with my uh, daughter and granddaughter last night, and she mentioned, my granddaughter mentioned something about, Oh, mommy, something about, like, something about lunch. And I turned and looked at her and I said, I know they're not bothering, you know, my daughter. I said, I know they're not bothering y'all for no health, for no lunch forms. I know they can't be bothering y'all about no health forms. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, lunch forms when you got all these people who you're feeding. You must be kidding me. Because if you remember, in February, February was the last month that they were putting that pandemic, the pandemic food assistance out there. So during over the pandemic, since the 2020, they started giving um, uh, food stamp recipients an extra um, amount of money each month. And they said as of February... You know, you would now go back. I don't know nothing about this because I sure don't get none as a single person. You know, you don't get it anymore. You don't get that second deposit anymore. And, well, now you see why. And a lot of those people needed that second portion deposit because of the amount of of hike the food um, industry has taken. So now you've taken away from the American people to give to the, the, the migrants that are coming here. So now we go hungry because now you got to stretch a dollar. It's, it's, no, we ain't gonna, it's going to take us all the five minutes to look like everybody else. So it would have been a lot easier just to send them money and it, because we're not helping them here. Which takes us to our, our wow story. Remember last week, I don't know if you ladies remember, I was trying to, I told you my sister had said something to me, and I was trying to figure out what she said where they were placing them. They were opening the housing. It was in, the, it was in JFK. It was in the airport um, hangar. Now, how old, oh, Jesus, oh, and I say, oh, Jesus, how are you putting them in the airport? Oh, Jesus. It's, 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 it's getting worse. So I'm sorry. Yes, that's, and Vivian said it. That's what made me remember 
that they are now, that they, they said it last week. I was talking to my sister. She said, Stephanie, she said they are putting them in the JFK hangars. They are making uh, a range, and I was like, oh, my God, in the airport itself. In the airport? You know nothing about these people, and you're putting them in the airport? Oh, goodness gracious. So now they're opening up a former state prison, that's the wild story, to house the migrants, and they will be placed in jail cells. And I, I, I'm just, I'm not going to say nothing else. Uh, Elton, Atisha, you got this one. I, I think I got to hold that one because I, I, I don't think y'all want to listen to me no more if I say it. Go ahead, Elton, Atisha, you, you, you got the, the first thing on his story. <laughs> so I, th- I think was that um, that Vivian said that they would be placed in jail cells or they would not. I thought I heard her say that they would not be placed in jail cells. Well, what my question would be, well, Vivian, if if where's Vivian? Because my question would be, well, in a jail, where are you gonna put them? Ain't there cells in the right. jail? Where's Viv? Where's Viv? Vivian, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Now, are they? Won't they be in jails, or will they not be in jails? Cells. They, they. The city wants to stress that they will not be in cells. I guess they're the construction people are, you know, doing some things to where maybe removing bars or something like that. But like you said, Pastor, at the end of the day, it's still a cell. So I guess they're rearranging it to where they can live in there. And they want to stress that they will not be placed in cells. All righty. Thanks, Viv. Mm-mm-mm. All right, Elden Atisha. Carry on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just wanted that, that, um, that clarity. Not that it, you know, makes a whole lot of difference. Again, it's uh, first of all, I, it's interesting to me that New York City is the only state that is required to not turn them away. So I don't know if we know that um, that New York, that, that New York is the only state that is required. We cannot turn them away, which is why. Mayor Adams, when they come, is trying to figure out, okay, well, what what can we do with them? And so supposedly he has already, his administration has already submitted that that be overturned and changed because New York, who is already overpopulated, is now taking in these additional people and we're putting them now, now, we are becoming just as bad as the place they left. That's what I'm saying. How is how is putting them in a in a place that was set up as a prison any better than the place they came from if they were living in a shack? You coming and move, coming from a shack and coming to a cell that may not have <laughs> bars on it. How, how, oh Lord, I, I don't. How is that uh, better? Again, if, 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 this, if we're talking about just their ability to try to get a job and to try to uh, take care of themselves and to be a part of a, quote, unquote, democrat, democratic government where we don't have leaders, right, leaders who are controlled by Congress. And so our justice system and, and our, um, our systems are, are made up in a way that, you know, 
quote unquote allows uh, for there to to be equality and equity, which okay, because <laughs> oh, we don't know equity in this country. That you are coming here looking for equality and equity and the ability to pursue um, happiness and, and prosperity. <laughs> we're not happy. We're, we're not right? helping. Yeah, because, <laughs> because we're, because we're this, this is not helping. This is not helping. We're, we're not helping them. We're setting them up for failure, and, and we're not helping ourselves. So we're not progressing as a country. No. No. Yeah. No, we're not. And I, that's my, for, for weeks I've been saying, we are like where they came from. They ain't no yeah. different. Yeah. We, we are looking like exactly they came here. They have been given some impression that this is just the land of just la la. You know, this is this is this is milk and honey, and it's going to be great. The opportunities are endless. All oh, oh, come to America, come to New York. It, it, it man, I, I'm gonna hold on to my jail cell. Thank God, Lady Tamika, what you got? Jail cells. Jail cells. You know, uh, gosh, you know, um, jail cells, schools, um, backyards. I, I keep saying that after a while, they're going to put oh, gosh. little pods, little pods. You know, I, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, okay, here, here's the thing that I'm thinking about. Um, as a homeowner, anybody that owns a home in New York, it's it's funny because you own not just your house but the sidewalk. However, you know, it, it's kind of funny. It's their sidewalk. You know, they right. can at any time do construction on the front sidewalk of your uh, property, and you don't have a say-so. However, mm-hmm. if somebody trips and falls on that very right. same sidewalk it's and damages themselves, That's you right. are now responsible. Yep, so it's yours. who's to say that in the near future they're not going to put pods on the very sidewalk that we don't have control over? So, you know, it, it concerns me, you know, I, and, and this whole time that we have been been talking, there's a song that keeps hitting my head. We taking over one city at a time. We taking over. Like, it, you know, I, I get it. I understand the desperation. I understand that you're trying to find a need or a solace. And I did not know that New York cannot turn them away. But how many more people are going to come? You know, because my thing is, we you, you're running out of areas to to house them. You know, are, are the churches going to have to be open now, mandated um, during the weekdays? You know, and then you let them go for Sunday service, Saturday service. You know, what happens? You know, it, it, it really kind of concerns me. We have yet to get to recover from the pandemic. You know, understand also that Corona and other issues are still out there. We got monkeypox, we got Crohn's disease, we got, you know, uh, not Crohn's disease, because Crohn's is not, um, it's not contagious, but there are things that are out there. 
you know, and, and it, it just really concerns me because AIDS is still out there. You know, people still having unprotected sex. There's oh, just, it's it, like, I am so very concerned about our state, you know, and what you have control over. If areas where they protest and, and they, they do council meetings and it doesn't even matter, what, what say do we have as residents? It's concerning. You know, um, I understand that the mayor is doing what he can do, but, you know, where, where, where does the line draw? You know, even in, in any, any situation, you have something that says, okay, you can do this, you can do this, but you cannot do that. And it kind of feels like that line that says you cannot do that is going further and further and further so far back until your leg is behind your backside. You know, and that's really, really scary. Very, very, very much so. Shantice, we got JFK, airport hangers. We've got jail cells. Now, they're cutting down the bars <laughs> so they don't feel like a cell. Does it make a difference? I first want to know how you putting the terrorists in the airport. How? Because it don't matter where they're coming from. Because we don't, you're putting strangers, like you're giving them the the platform to do something like that. They're desperate. They're coming over here with nothing to get nothing. And you're putting the opportunity for them to hijack anything. Again, how is this? It's because you don't have to, you, you don't plan on taking any flights from there. That's why it doesn't matter. I'm not impressed with hearing that they're taking the bars off because they could have been doing all this construction again for the homeless people who are already here. So they need to keep all of these plans to themselves because they keep making themselves look crazier and crazier every time they're making provisions for these outsiders who come here. All of this hard work and, and all of all of these smart ideas and all of these wow moments can be taking place for those who are already here. So I'm I'm really not impressed and in my opinion is making them sound even worse. And you know, to hear that we can't as a state turn them away, you know, again, the mayor, the governor, whomever, who's fighting to keep this from happening? Everyone has someone above them. But you're put in place to fight for the people who you are governing. Who is fighting for that? I haven't read that there's been any fight from anybody. So even if it's not something that you may agree with, you hear it, you hear that it's being done, and now you feel like you're put in a position to figure out how to make this happen. That, to me, isn't why you're put in office. Regardless of your seat, you're here to fight for the people who are already where you are. How are you fighting for the people when you're just now saying, okay, and you now rattling your brain if that's what's really happening? Because I personally don't believe it is. But let's just say that that's how it's happening. Oh, I don't agree with this. But then what are you doing to stand up for those who don't have the opportunity to speak to the one above you? Or to your peers. I thought that was the reason why we vote. Pastor Steph, you just asked yesterday, I guess you saw the, the stuff in the mail, 
Like, yeah. okay, who are we voting for? And I was like, does it re- does it really matter? Do we re- should we vote? Does it really matter? Because it's like choosing between Chucky or or Freddy Krueger, or, or or Candyman and and Jason from Friday Thirteenth. It's like who? Because everyone is just throwing their hands down because it doesn't personally affect them. So I'm I'm really not impressed with hearing anything because it's just everyone is just rolling over. I don't have to personally deal with it. I'm doing my job with the, you know, whoever's above me says to do this. This is what needs to be done, and I'm doing it. And it's, it's really, it's pathetic, and it's disgusting. And I really, so now we're supposed to fly, feeling safe, knowing that there's a bunch of people here who don't belong, that if anyone decides to dumb out and get desperate, someone might hold up one of the restaurants in the airport. Or or just start smacking all the people that's working at TSA, and now my luggage ain't safe. Like, how are we supposed to now fly with a peace of mind? Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You know, I honestly don't believe that, and I'm beginning to believe this more and more and more. I honestly don't believe anyone knows what they're ultimately signing up for. I think that the you know it's it's I want to do this I want to be in place. Um, this is the first time we've had a female governor, you know. So it, this 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 is hell for 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 these people here, and I'm not saying that they are doing their best. I'm not saying that they're not doing their best. I think there's a lot of stuff going on that nobody knows what's what they're really up against. You know, but because nobody's thinking when I start when I when I run for office, you know, okay, so election is 2016. When I start running and I start preparing to run, it's it's prior to the four years, you know, that I'm going to actually, you know, take the seat if I win. So there are again, there are things that are in negotiations that no one knows about. There are things that people are talking about that you may hear a little bit of, but you may think, oh, that won't go through. And you go, you sign up to run. And now here we are. Now you're facing something that you never thought. I don't think any of us American people, any New Yorker, would have ever thought that we would be here. Because mm-hmm. they all start out just like we are, average, everyday people, regardless of who you are, whether you're Hoko, whether you're Adams, whether you're Chuck Schumer, it doesn't matter. Whoever you are, whatever office, whatever seat you're sitting in, everybody started out just like us, an everyday, average person. Here you are now, in the seat that you fought to get in. I don't think any of them thought that this is where you would be one day facing this kind mm-hmm. of issue. I, I honestly don't believe it. So now that you're here, you fought to get here. Now that you're here, what do you do? What do you do with mm-hmm. nothing? Because they haven't armed you with anything. They haven't given you anything. You got to beg for what you get. You got to justify what you need for what you need. It, this is a, this is an absolute mess. This is an absolute mess. And, you know, I again, like I would never 
uh, uh, sign up to be a police officer, I would never sign up to run for anybody's office. Because, again, Mm -hmm. nobody tells you the E. True Hollywood story. Nobody tells you what's really coming down the pipeline. These people coming here in 2022, this was in negotiation for years. This didn't happen in 2021. This didn't happen in 2020. This has been talked about for a while. And now, now, now we're seeing the result of negotiations. So we've been asking every single person on this broadcast has asked the same question, what's in it for America? What what, what is America getting on the side that nobody knows about, nobody hears, no one sees, (laughs) no one thinks? We've all asked the same question, and now here you are. Here you are. You have people in your schools. You have people at the airport. You got people living in a jail cell. Listen, the jail is a jail. The jailhouse is the jailhouse. You can't convert it into something else. Whether you cut the bars or not, it's going to be a jail. Regardless, it's not going to have the best conditions because what jailhouse does so now you go from your country where you're sleeping on the ground or you're not really eating or they can't even feed the people properly at Rikers. And that's been up forever. They're automatically going to be able to feed these people and have these wonderful conditions now? No. They're going to be just as overcrowded as Rikers is. They just, they're going to have people dying. They're going to have all kinds of, of crime. They're going to, oh, it's, it's, this is going to be a big old mess. It is, let me tell you something. They're going to be treated like they're prisoners. I promise you that. They're going to be mm-hmm. treated just like they're prisoners. I don't care whether they're, quote, unquote, in prison or not. They're going to be treated as prisoners. Because a lot of people are going to feel like they ain't got no business here. No way. They taking what I should have. They taking, you know, resources away. So I'm going to treat them. Yeah. Oh, they, they not. You know, this is one big fat mess, which, you know, I, I, I have no idea where this is going to go. Again, we got all this paperwork on July, uh, June, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, June, June 6th, June 6th, June 6th, go out and vote. And I'm like, well, what are we voting for? That's what I said to Shanti yesterday. I see like a hundred books. I mean, what are we voting for? All of this stuff is what we need to be have a voice in, whether we mm-hmm. can turn people away or not. That should be everybody's vote. Now, I mean, it may outweigh on one side or the other because a lot of people have their own agenda, their own feeling, blah blah blah. But isn't that what voting is is about? So I don't know, ladies. I have no idea. This is a mess that we don't have any say. If you think the governor and the mayor have no say, we definitely ain't got no say. If they have no say, we we got even less say. Oh, boy. Mm. Oh, boy. Well, well, well. In light of all we are talking about, you know, we still have to, as Christian people, maintain a certain level of integrity, a certain level of behavior, a certain mindset. And, you know, these days and times, you know, it may become a little more difficult to 
not just becoming a spiritual person or Christian, but maintaining that, you know, and, and that's what a lot of conversation is, you know, these days, um, maintaining, you know, a Christian lifestyle because so much is going on around you, so many drawers, so many temptations, so much stuff that you have nothing to say, and it's like people just are just throwing up their hands and giving up. And, you know, let's use today, now that, you know, we've asked all the questions, we've vented, uh, we've said, you know, what we feel, what we think, you know, we can now, you know, take this opportunity to help, you know, some individuals who maybe want to throw in a towel, maybe are scratching their heads trying to figure out what do I need to do, what are the characteristics, what are the components that I need to maintain this spiritual walk. And uh, let, let's let's help them out and encourage and give some level of guidance, which we are so able to do here. We start off with having that kind and loving attitude. Now, I didn't want to start here. It's the first thing on the list. I didn't want to start here, but you know what? We need to start here. Based on what we just got finished talking about, we need to start here. Why, you know, as Christians, do we need to have that kind and loving attitude, Lady Tamika? If we look at the world, just just all of the news that we have done, even if we just go, I can't even go through a year. Um, if we just went through the week that we have started from Monday up until today, there's just so many travesties, so much is out there, so much is happening. And in this day and time, love is so paramount, showing just little forms of empathy, you know, looking out for those that need help. Something simple as somebody coming down a train station with a stroller or, you know, an, a senior needing help with a bag as you're passing by them on your way. You know, someone needing, there's all kinds of help that people need. And when you can spread love, um, it's contagious. You know, you'll find that you know, if you smile at somebody, you know, and they, you know, they have this tendency to smile back, it can, you don't know what they're going through, but maybe they needed that smile. Maybe they needed that good morning. Maybe they needed that, you know, you were the one person that brightened their day just by your expression. You know, you never know what that little thing can do and how much better it can make someone else's life. Absolutely, absolutely wonderful beginning, Shantice. We're talking about, you know, the characteristics that a Christian individual need they, they need to maintain. And kind and loving attitude is first on the list. And I think this is a nice place to actually start because of all that we've been talking about. You know, we, we could definitely go, you know, get so angry that we're in the opposite direction. Why is this so important for us? It is very, very important because that is where people need to. I just read the verse the other day that says, be dressed in love and humility and compassion, meaning, like, let that be what people see when they see you. They see that presence of, you know, that softness and that love. And especially with everything that's going on now, you know, people need to see that. I, I just heard about something yesterday Someone knows someone who 
is supposedly a Christian, and they were at some event, and a young lady walked up to them and said, oh, you know, you're you're very attractive to, to a guy, and the guy is supposedly Christian, and he said, oh, thank you, and walked off. And from my understanding, the girl was very pretty, you know, and he didn't say, oh, well, thank you, you're very nice, too, you're very attractive, too. Um, we just said, oh, thank you, and walked off. And come to find out, that guy got a phone call later on that night saying that the girl killed herself. And the first wow. thing I thought about was that, oh, thank you, you look pretty, too, might have been the thing. Now, she probably didn't kill herself, because, you know, like, because of, they were strangers. But that might have been the thing to boost her, her mood, her attitude, whatever she was going through. You know, we, we just don't know what people are going through. And, you know, she probably, you know, just, you know, being nice and having a conversation and just gave a compliment. And, you know, we don't know if one of the reasons why she was contemplating suicide is because of how she's always being treated. And even though something like that was like, oh, well, all he didn't do was say, you look pretty too. But we just don't know, you know. So but when we make sure that we extend that love and that kindness and compassion and humility you know, it backs up kind of like the verse that says, you know, when people have something bad to say about you and you don't give them anything bad to say, but you only give them good things to say, it turns them around. And even though he didn't say anything bad, that good compliment could have possibly turned her around. So when we make sure that we're clothed in that love and that compassion and that humility and kindness, we, we have no idea how that could turn immediately possibly turn someone's mood around to now help them to have a good day where it could have possibly started off bad. But now we've just assisted God with now helping that person throughout the rest of the day. Ah, wow. Elder Nitisha, a kind and loving attitude. And I I do think, I'm glad that we are kind of turning back this way um, after, you know, that conversation because I think it's a reminder that, um, like, people, uh, we've talked a lot about the the disregard for human life. And while it's important to properly put our frustration into perspective, like the frustration is not with the individual's who are in need of help. It is with the system. And like and I think it is important to make that, that distinction and that clarity for anyone who may happen upon this podcast, right? Like if someone just listened to this 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 session with us and never listened to, you know, all that we talk about and all that, that you do um as due time then you would be concerned. <laughs> you would be concerned about you know about hey, us. But angry I women. It, it, exactly. It, you know, it it it's it, it, the frustration is with the system, and the frustration and the concern is with how we are dealing, how we're handling things, the decisions that are being made, and it is all it's about humanity. At the essence of our frustration, it is about humanity, and that in turn is what Christianity is about because those of us who bear the image of God recognize that God loves his creation, all of his creation. And that becomes important because when, you know, when we think about the history of this nation, they've not always looked at black people 
right? They've had terms for black people. They've called us all kinds of things and seen us as less than human. And when you see a person as less than human, then you have a disregard for their life and you can do anything to them. So, you know, when you hear, like, other adjectives used and assigned to, like, you know, to, to, to these individuals, it can really take away from the compassion and the empathy, and that is who God is to us. The same grace that we've needed is the same grace that we ought to give. The same compassion and empathy that we've needed is the same empathy and compassion that we must be compelled as people of God to offer to others. And so are we saying that these individuals don't deserve the right um, to live and to live abundantly and to have opportunities? Absolutely not. That is not the message that we are communicating. But what we are communicating is that we want them if to, to be at places where they can actually truly receive real help and putting them in a hangar at an airport, right, Absolutely. without – the, the, the threat of them potentially being terrorists or anything like that. Like, no, that's just them as humans being placed in an airport. That's not, that, that's, not, that's not human decency. Putting them in a jail cell, that is not human decency. Placing them in hotels, taking resources from people who have existed in a land is not human decency. So the fight here, it is about love. It is about compassion. It is about concern. Right, even though we may have heard some other things, ultimately it is about humanity. And as Christians, we stand on the side of Christ who loves his creation no matter what they look like and no matter where they come from. We just want fairness and equality to be a, 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 a across the board, period, for all of humanity. And that is compassion. That is kindness. That is love. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's another, there's another one here that I think is is important to fuse with, you know, our conversation earlier, and it's to maintain your Christianity. You have to realize your your life's purpose. Ooh, ooh, wow, Shanti's. Why is that so important in these days and times, based on what we've been talking about and how we feel? You must remember your why. You must remember your why. I put a song on my heart yesterday morning, and the part of the lyrics that he had me focused on is say, get out of my way. I'm on a mission. I'm all-purpose and completing my vision or something to that to that effect. And it, you have to remember your why. Just like I was, you know, we were on our church prayer line last night, and I was telling them, like, I've been having to talk to God and pray to him you know, ever since all of this talk about, um, and, again, I completely 100% agree when I teach it. At the same time, you learn to be real with yourself and with God, um, even though it's not the individuals that you're, initially upset with because, again, we don't know these people. We're strangers to them. They're strangers to us. 
at the same time, because the powers that be are so careless and inconsiderate, it makes you frustrated. And I told him, I said, you know, anytime I've noticed that I can't go somewhere to go buy something and I'm not patronizing a foreigner. And it's, it's, making, it's making me mad. But because God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me of my why, that's why I remember to genuinely let that kindness and love and compassion and everything kick in because my why keeps me from seeing my flesh, from being nasty, from saying things whether I feel justified or not. But if we don't remember our purpose, our why, now we act on impulse. We say what comes to mind. We do what comes to mind. If the Holy Spirit leads us to, to do something, we don't do it. If he leads us to fall back, we push to do whatever it is that we want to do, say whatever it is that we want that we want to say. So we have to make sure that we're keeping in constant connection and remembering that we're in constant collaboration. From the second God opens our eyes, we're supposed to be in collaboration with him throughout our day. We're not supposed to move on our own, think on our own, speak on our own. It has to be where you're asking God to lead you because if not, you're going to be doing the exact opposite. Of what, and you're going to be living outside of your purpose. And now, what example are you setting for those who God needs you to be an example to? Absolutely, absolutely. Elder and I, Tisha, you know, we, especially because of what you said, you know, we have to realize our, our life's purpose as a Christian. Can't lose sight of that. No, absolutely not, especially not when it's God's overarching intention to redeem his creation, right? Right. God in his word declared that his creation is wholly good and that, you know, the the idea of, um, you know, when we get to the origin of a thing, and again, right, if you start breaking this down and when we talk about, you know, um, the adoption that we were once Gentiles, um, and then the adoption of us into the body of Christ. The first foreigners would be us. <laughs> when we yep. think about it from the perspective, yep. a biblical perspective. And so th- th- this was the problem that the Jewish people had mm-hmm. with the Gentiles. This is why they didn't want us. Every time they turned around, they saw us present. They saw us prospering. They saw God inviting us into the conversation. They saw Jesus all throughout the New Testament extending himself to the other. And so when we think Mm -hmm. about our purpose, if our purpose is to look and walk like Jesus, then we can relate solely to the foreigner (laughs) because we, too, were once afar off. We were not the original chosen people. We, too, are considered or were considered foreigners. So we can relate and have empathy and compassion to the foreigner. But I love what Shanti said because she said it's of how things are done that cause us to be pitted against each other. That's the fallen nature of humanity. That's the sin. It's the fallen nature, and it has always been that way where we've been pitted against each other. It's, it's the same thing that exists between us and, and, and any other, and, and, the, and the Asian community, if you would, where now the Asian community who are migrants 
come here, but they can prosper, and now they have this, they, they as some kind of way become on a higher token pole here in this country, even then the black American who was born here, right? Yeah. And so then now there mm-hmm. is issue or a problem between Asians and African Americans. Why? Based on a structural, it was a structural, systemic design to cause us to be pitted against each other because where there is division, there is evil, there is murder, there is killing, there is a disregard for life, there is sin, there is the lack of God, there is a space for the enemy to to prosper and to do his work. And so our Mm -hmm. purpose has to be that we remain the image of God, that we remain the voice of God, that we maintain the integrity of God's love for his entire creation. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Oh, ladies, you're saying some stuff. You're saying some stuff. Oh, Lady Tamika, what you got for us? I wanted to ensure that I'm right on the right topic. It's knowing your why. Is that accurate? It, it, no, knowing your why, realization of your life's purpose, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you so much. So knowing your why allows you to push beyond the brink of what it looks like, of what it feels like, you know, um, it, it causes you to pray and, and push forward. It causes you to protest if necessary. It causes you to show up on the outside of a school when a facility decides that they want to have a devil um, association. It causes you to reach across the board, not to persecute and prosecute, but to push forward beyond what it looks like, beyond what it feels like, beyond what it smells like. You're asking God to precede you in the deed and then following through, you know, not just letting it fall because it, it, because it doesn't affect me and it affects somebody over there. Oh, that's their neighborhood. That's their backyard. Wait a minute. We all live in this area. And so it causes you to not just look at it and, you know, read it in the paper and to move on, but to push forward to press because, you know, it, 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 it's more than just that central thought. You know, we have, we keep looking at what it could be. And so when we look at what it could be, the why pushes you, okay, that's what it could be, but let's make it more than just what it is. You know, people crossing the border, you know, in desperation, what can we do to help? How can we turn this around? What can we do to assist? Not just pray, but to make things physically happen. Amen, amen, amen. I'm not going to close down the portion um, per se, um, because I, I want to just kind of infuse Pastor Shawlin in because one of the other um, components that they mention, you know, to maintain a proper level of Christianity, you cannot live in fear. So I'm just going to just kind of add at her in, opposed to thanking you all just yet. So let's say good morning to our Pastor Charlene. Good morning, Pastor Charlene. Good morning. How is everybody today? <laughs> all righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, how thank are you, you. feeling? Uh, you know, sinus, but I'm here. Oh, I thank so the Lord. You, 
you sound it. You definitely sound it today. We're going to keep you lifted in prayer. Uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, with all that's going on, with all that we're seeing, we still have to. It's vital that we maintain our Christianity at the end of the day. And, you know, we're going to add that fact that, you know, we can't live in fear. What do you want to say about that today? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have to always remember that. We have to walk by faith and not by sight, right? And we know that we have a job to do. When he was talking also about showing love, and we know that God doesn't give us uh, the power of fear. It gives power with love and a sound mind. I apologize, you know, but I wanted to be on um, of my voice. But I just wanted to, to, to share with, if we get caught up into looking uh, all around us, and get caught up into our own emotions, fear will set in. And as we set in, it will make us not trust God like we're supposed to. So we have to continue to press forward and remember that we are the light that the people will see. How many times have we said that, you know, by people knowing and seeing Christ in us, knowing that we say that come out of our mouth, we're going to get pressed forward for us to show it without the Bible in our hand, showing uh, the love that we have, showing that we can come together and pray and know the power of God. So we must come together and knowing that these souls have to be able to change their life and be able because we are that vessel. We are that ambassador that we have to be able to show that no matter what, God is with us. No matter what it looks like, God is with us. No matter what somebody might say, and because of today could be your day, tomorrow could be my day, and knowing that we got to keep each other lifted up with it and not being able to have that fear overpower. Now, in the flesh, absolutely. Will we think about it? Absolutely. Will we waver sometimes being truthful? Absolutely. But then it kicks in, that Holy Spirit will kick in. Okay, them scriptures start coming. Okay, go. let me make this phone call. God will lead you into a person that you should call, that will lift you up in prayer, that we're going to stand together no matter what, because everybody has a weak time. Everybody has to be able to know in the process as we push forward that we are able to give, still keep our eyes lifted up to God and having that faith. And being able to know that no matter what God got us, we can all testify of a place that we've been in that was fearful. We all got testimonies. And in that is where we go and we're able to give it to someone else and say, listen, I've been there. Or you know what? I know somebody that's been there to give them that strength for them to continue to push forward. And for us to know that we know who's we standing with, whose side are we going to lean on? So we got to be able to be careful, even what comes out of our mouths, and say, okay, no, no, because the Holy Spirit will check you in a minute where you have to go back and repent. <coughs> Excuse me. Have to go back and say, God, you know what? 
I, I was weak in that moment, but you giving me the strength for me to continue to go on, for me to continue to fight, for me to continue to know that I might not have this in my house. I might not have no money. I might can't do this, but I know that you can and turn it over to him. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> it's not right. I apologize. <coughs> But for us to be able to just to have that and know, don't look at the fear. Don't look at the fear. Press forward through the fear. I was the biggest one that would fear. That was my thing. It kept me bound. And I had to continue to call on Jesus, break them chains, continue to press forward, and to know that God is with you no matter what. And that's what we've seen. All these things that's coming around us is coming to make our skin thicker. It's coming for us to continue to call on Jesus. It's coming so we'll be able to win the fight because it's already won. We're just walking through the procedure. We're just walking through the test. We've got to be able to stand on God and know that he is real. Not just speak it, live it, know it. Show it and continue to press forward. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Charlotte, for pressing your way and blessing us this morning. Thank you, ladies, for all doing such a fine job this morning, uh, ending on a high note, giving God thanks for you, and we pray that you all have a blessed day. Thank you, you too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Let's take this time to go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, God, Father of all mankind, we give you thanks, God. We come before you and we enter into your gates with thanksgiving and we enter into your courts with praise for who you are, what you've done, how you've always done it and what you will do, God. Thank you. Thank you. Our moment to say thank you to this to you this morning. We lift your name on high to Heavenly Father as we discuss so many um issues that were not good situations, good circumstances, to Heavenly Father, but we know that you're above it all. We know that you're in control, dear Heavenly Father. And, Lord, we are just lifting up just this this violence that surrounds us everywhere we go, God. We're asking you, dear Heavenly Father, for peace in the land, God. If if, if we stand up and we begin to, to act different, if we begin to speak different, if we begin to live um, more righteously, more whole, righteously, more holy, God, that we would set better examples, dear Heavenly Father, that if we would open up our mouths and minister and evangelize more, dear Heavenly Father, more souls would be drawn closer to you, God, and this world would not be as violent, God. Lord, we're lifting up this entire migrant situation. God, we've been talking about this, Lord, for the longest ever since last year, God, and it just seems to be getting worse. And and even though, God, we see it getting worse, God, we know that there is an ultimate plan in place. We we continue to say that, that, that the powers that be here on earth did not have a plan, but, God, we know you got one, and that's why we serve you. We're grateful, dear Heavenly Father, for, for what 
you have laid out to Heavenly Father. And we ask you to Heavenly Father to just just work on us. Excuse me, just a little bit more to Heavenly Father. Because if again, if more of us stood up for who you are, if more of us opened up our mouths, if we just prayed more, if we just worked together more, God then we could make a bigger impact to Heavenly Father. So we don't know why the things are going in the direction that we're going to Heavenly Father, but we pray, God, that your people would be lifted, that your people would raise, that, you know, our faith is not the only thing we have to go by. We have to do our works to Heavenly Father. We've got to make sure that we're in our proper place, that we're in our proper order, dear Heavenly Father. And, Lord, I pray that we all have an ear for your voice and that we will only do what you say to do, God. We will not go our own way. We will not lean to our own understanding, dear Heavenly Father. Lord, we lift up our Pastor Charlotte. We lift up our Minister Michelle, dear Heavenly Father, before you. And we ask you, God, to just touch their lives from the crown of their heads to the sole of their feet, God that they would be healed, dear Heavenly Father, so that they can continue to minister and press their way to just draw more lives unto you, dear Heavenly Father, that whatever it is that, that, that's ailing them, dear Heavenly Father, that you would just place your hand on them and that they would be healed and always remember to acknowledge you, dear Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for the voices that are on today. We thank you, God, for the ears that are on today, God, and that something we said today, something we said would bless lives and help all of those who listen to understand that we need to be under your banner and under your banner alone. We give you the glory and the honor, God, so rightly do your name. Thank you for paying the bills, allowing us to come together each and every morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, I uh, <laughs> as as the ladies were talking, I I had this particular topic up a few weeks ago, and this morning, you know, I said, "Okay, God, I, I see, I see." You know, His ways are always, His timing is is always so so great. And it was a wonderful way to kind of shift things. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you a, a little something. You know, God uh, gave me a, a conference to spearhead, a women's conference. And the direction would be a little different than, than the normal conferences go. And he gave me the layout. And one of the things he said was... You must integrate. And I was like, I don't, I was kind of, you know, a little off, just wanted some clarity. He said, I need you to mix with the Hispanic Christian community. It was a must. It was, and I told Shanti, I said, I can't go forward. I cannot close this down without pulling in because God says that I must. And I, I understood, you know, at that time what he was giving me. But as we began to talk about this migrant 
um, situation and, and, you know, hearing the frustration and things like that, I began to understand more and more why God said there needs to be an integration. And one of the things he said to me was, we're too divided. We're too divided. You know, the Hispanic community, you know, the Christian community, they, they have their, you know, their their ministries and, you know, you we have our ministries and we're not integrated enough. And the more we talked about the migrant issue and how upset we are at, at, at how things are um, being laid out. And, again, and I'm, I'm um, you know, it's funny because Elder Natisha um, brought it in her, you know, she put it in her um, rounds. And that was one of the things that I wanted to close with today, this here, to, to say that, you know, of course we're not angry at all with these people who are coming here, with the migrants who are coming here, um, you know, there is a fear that sets in, a fear that says, you know what, like I said to you yet, yesterday when my granddaughter said, you know, about the, the lunch form, and I looked, I was like, I know they're not bothering you because the first thing you begin to think is we're already suffering here. I remember as a single parent, I remember they would not give me to Major's report card because they said she owed lunch money. And I was like, y'all have got to be out of your minds. And I remember slapping, <laughs> slapping all the papers off the people's desk. I was just that, because at that point, my money was really low. And I said to the lady, I said, do you realize right now that you're telling me that I have to make a decision whether she should have a coat or if I pay y'all this lunch money? Well, she going to wear this coat and y'all going to feed her. I wish you. I wish she would get in here and y'all tell her you couldn't feed her. That's what the American people see, and that's what the American people are voicing. They're voicing, we haven't been fed. We, have, we talk about our veterans all the time. We talk about the people who don't have, who are, have been denied. You know, be, if you make $5 over, you know, the, the Medicaid, uh, uh, eligibility, you don't get the extra medical coverage, and now you're fighting for bills, but yet y- your children have to be paid for in order for them to have health coverage, but yet you're opening up the doors, and that's what you're hearing. You're not hearing an anger at the people. You're hearing the anger of injustice. You're hearing anger about how this is being laid out with no plan in place we were already suffering here as a people, as United States citizens born and bred and have fed the system and how uh, unfair it was to pay your taxes or to be paying taxes, but yet you can't eat off your taxes, but people who have not you know, drop into the kitty can. That's what you hear. And what God was saying to me was, I need you, Stephanie, to now infuse where everybody is on one platform. I need you to infuse to let people know that there's no division within my community. I need you to let people see that you are on one platform. It's me who is in the forefront and that anger that you're all feeling, the injustice that you're all feeling, the, 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 the upset is not here. That, that even in your anger, even in your uh, 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 feeling of, of unfairness, 
you still have a job to do, and you still need to let people see that I am in control. And the things that you're going to discuss are things that are actually hitting my people. And I need to work from the inside out. That, you know, they hear everything, but yet they don't see the kindness and the loving attitude. They don't see the fact that you still have your purpose in the forefront. They don't see only that you're not fearful. So I need you to integrate because you're going to be sending a bigger message than you even thought you were. And as I listen, you know, to us today, and I said to myself, okay, I see what I'm going to say when I close, and it made it even more important when, and I was very honest with, with with the sister who I spoke to, and I started not to say anything to her, and then something spilled up said, you need to tell her, and I said it to her. I said, God told me I could not close this down until I actually got someone from the Hispanic, Latina, Latina, and Latinx. I don't know what they're what they're calling it now. Everything is shifting from this community, this Christian community, that God needs to show us on one platform. And just the other day, remember I told you last week I was shut down. I couldn't post. And what God gave me was he silenced me because I was... I was, I'd just spoken to Elder Natisha about promoting the conference. And I was like, well, if I can't get on, then I can't promote. But the Lord let me know. I silenced you because I had to drop from the $60 admission to $30. He said, I need more people in there, and I can't keep them from being in there because they don't have the $60. And, I, and, and you, you watch God. Watch God work, and you understand God. The Spirit of the Lord is going to help you understand everything God is doing. And I marvel at God because, see, all of these conversations are needed. They're needed. Us unhappy, us venting, because, see, we have to also let people know that we're not ready to roll over and die, that everything we we, we feel we need to voice. But it was important that it shifted and we also let people know that we love, that we don't dislike, that we don't, um, we're not angry in the wrong area, but that we, we got our head on. We have our head on. But at the same time, it doesn't stop ministry. That if we were to see someone in distress, we don't stop helping. We don't stop praying. We don't stop reaching out. We don't stop. And the more I talk, the more I'm beginning to understand that maybe the reason why there's also an influx is because we're not doing our job. Now, pay attention to what I'm saying. Because somebody might be saying, well, Stephanie, what does that mean? What, what that says is, you know what? You haven't done your job. So now I'm going to send you more people. Now, remember the Bible says the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. I need you to stand up because I need more of you than there are. And maybe if you see the need is greater, 
Maybe now you'll step up to the plate even more because you'll understand that you can't sit down. You can't roll over and die. You can't be silent. You need to make sure that your mouth is open. You need to make sure that people hear from you. Now, are we going to get access? It ain't going to be easy because we're going to have to first finish being mad. <laughs> we're going to stop being mad. We're going to stop being mad for a minute and understand that we won't do our job as effectively if we're angry first. Am I making any sense? That we will not have the heart for the people properly until we stop getting angry. That we have vented, it's all out, and now it's time to mobilize and make it happen. Now it's time to mobilize. Now that all the frustration has been let out. Now the outpour of your heart, your mind, your spirit, you know, all the injustice, all of this. Now it's time to mobilize. Because at the end of the day, people are coming here for the land of opportunity. But God needs them here to hear from him. Now it looks a little different. Now it sounds a little different. Now, it makes a little difference. Now, it's all different. Our hearts have got to say, these people need. But before they need anything, after we feed them, after we done brought them here now, we done fed them, they sitting up in a cell, they sitting up in a hangar, they sitting up in a school, Remember now, when, I, when we talked about the school, they don't even have shower ability. So we, we're concerned about our children being exposed, but we also share the concern that they don't even have 300 people with one bathroom. We can't even, in, in a household with five people, operate in the bathroom. How many families have that difficulty? So now that the initial thing is done, they, they're here. And we know they're going to eat. Now, they may not eat, you know, with steak and potatoes. But now it's time to feed them the steak and potatoes, the real meat that they're going to need to live. So now it's time for us to get ourselves together. They're here now, and they ain't stopping no time soon. What are we going to do? Let's turn this around and show them love on a whole different level. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us today.
Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to draw closer to God right now so that he can let you in on what you need to do next. Until tomorrow, God spares where it's Therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you.